You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Wrath of Man. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new addition, H. Portico Security, specialized in cash trucks across LA. Do you have any idea how dangerous this job can be? Some out there, yeah. We ain't the predators, we're the prey. You ready? Ready. This is your temporary sidearm. Why am I full of pulling pistols in a machine gun fight? Do you have a problem? I don't know. Do I? It's a 10 grand drop. You should have been back five minutes ago. They're serious! Leave this to me. Get in the truck next time! Sorry, pal. took us for civilian too. There was an investigation. And we still haven't found a scum who did it. You were in an accident. My son. He didn't make it. I need to know who killed my son. The tree has been shook, and it's been shook hard. We've scorched the earth. Started by saying you'd do anything. But what I'm hearing is, you think you've done everything. I can see it's gonna be a long night. It's gotta be an inside job. I can do it in two weeks. You only wish you could do it in 20 years. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Wrath of Man, and the story is as follows. H, a cold and mysterious stranger, is hired by a cash truck company responsible for moving hundreds of millions of dollars around Los Angeles each week. During one such job, the truck gets held up at gunpoint, and H single-handedly deals with the robbers, showcasing advanced combat skills and training. Secretly, H is hunting for the people who murdered his son during a similar robbery and plans to use his new position to set traps for every would-be robber in the city until he finds his son's killers. The film is starring Jason Statham, Holt McCallany, Jeffrey Donovan, Josh Harnett, Laz Alonzo, Raul Castillo, De Obia Apari, Eddie Marzen, and Scott Eastwood. It is written and directed by Guy Ritchie, co-written by Ivan Ackeson and Marn Davies. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Daniel Howitt. Hello, hello. And joining us as a guest here today, welcome back to the show from Feelin' Film, Aaron White. Woohoo! Once every three years, happy to be back. <laughs> Has it really been that long? That's the last time that Skype tells me we were on Skype together, so I'm assuming. Wow! Yeah, Amazing. I know. That's incredible. And we play your <laughs> ad on our show like every week. <laughs> oh. That's so wild. 
I will admit, though, we have tried. Oh, yeah. It's not on you. It's on me. Yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah, turned you down. But I'm so glad. So glad. Scheduling is, is always is always a concern. Always. But here we are reviewing a Guy Ritchie film of all things. <laughs> <laughs> so this should be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if it's going to be uh, Lock, Stock and Two Spoken Barrels fun or if it's going to be uh, Revolver fun. I'll tell you this much. It's definitely not going to be Aladdin levels of fun. That's for sure. <laughs> this is a very, very different kind of movie. <laughs> Thank goodness. So after doing The Gentleman, uh, which last year I actually thought was uh, quite a romp, a really, really fun, comedic, uh, Guy Ritchie-style uh, crime film, the kind of movie that you would expect him to make, he's here now with Wrath of Man, which is definitely a lot more serious, a lot less jokes and zingy one-liners than you typically see from Guy Ritchie. And it is reuniting him with Jason Statham, who he's paired up with before. As I mentioned before, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Revolver. So, what do we think of this film? Hmm. I'm going to first toss it over to our guest, Aaron. Aaron, what did you think of Wrath of Man? Well, I got to tell you, so I had very low expectations going into this. Not because I'm not a Guy Ritchie fan. I actually am generally a fan of most of his stylistic choices, but the trailer for this, I didn't feel like sold me on anything special. And I didn't get the sense that it was a heist film at all. I thought we were going to watch just kind of a Jason Statham revenge movie that didn't seem to necessarily mesh with my thoughts of Guy Ritchie. And I went in just kind of lackadaisical and I came out really really excited and i can i'm gonna i know you're gonna like give me weird reactions probably but this is one of my favorite films of the year so far i absolutely loved it i watched it again right before we got on tonight so i've watched it twice and it held up for me very well i think it is a really really great mixture of a heist film and a revenge film and i like this guy richie this is Reserved Guy Ritchie, who is not doing his normal flash and flare and just crazy tricks with the camera. He he keeps it pretty straightforward. And I just felt like this is the kind of action movie that I love. It is, you know, grabs you right away for me. And it just kept me engaged the entire time. It propelled me through to the end. There were no lapses in the film for me where it dips into majorly dramatic moments and slows itself down. It just goes 90 to nothing all the way to the end. And there are some fun stylistic choices in here with how he structures the film and how he delivers information and reveals, you know, character details throughout the story. But for the most part, it's, it's a fairly, you know, normal way, I guess, of making a movie compared to what you normally would see from Guy Ritchie. And I, I just loved it. I thought Statham is maybe at his best here, to be honest. I didn't miss the cheeky, quirky one-liners constantly and the overly comedic Guy Ritchie banter. I mean, it's definitely macho still, but uh, reserved to the point. I just loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I'm going to give you a little bit of leeway here because we're still early in the year. <laughs> One of your favorites of the year. Okay. Yeah. 
Are you, are, you, are you discounting January and February because of the Oscar cutoff? I need to know at this point. No, I think I'm at like, I don't know, 40, 40, 45 or so. Have you just not seen that many films this year, Aaron? <laughs> like, what, what's going on? I, I'm, I'm so, you, you, you said I was going to give you some weird looks. I'm doing more than that right now. Matt, he hasn't been on the podcast in three years. Come on, leave him. He's Maybe now there was a reason for that. I, <laughs> I'm a heist film lover, guys, and I, I felt like, Guy Ritchie must have sat down and like binged Michael Mann movies and watched Den of Thieves and been like, hey, I can do that. And I just think it's a great mashup of him kind of riffing on those styles. I'll get into that in a little bit, because I, I, I as much as I may sound like I'm beating up on you a little bit, I am going to pull back some punches uh, when we get to my thoughts. How it what did you think of this film? The theme of tonight's episode is exceeded expectations. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> On my side. Look, oh, my God. Me versus the two of you. Look, I went into this film probably the same way almost everyone is going to go into this movie if they even choose to watch it. Uh, which is I I couldn't I was I didn't care I could have cared less about this movie um, I I really there's nothing against Jason Statham but look how many generic action films that go nowhere has he been in right and the name of the film is generic the poster was generic the plot description is generic everything about this film other than the fact that it has Guy Ritchie behind it uh, speaks to it being just a generic action movie and so i just didn't care about going into this movie and so imagine my surprise when i found myself engrossed in the story and there are really two primary reasons for this aaron used the exact right word for guy Ritchie's direction reserved um and it really works um he he his you know he often has a fr- you know kind of frantic uh pace to his films to the editing to the stylistic choices and that is totally dialed back here um i think it's really uh dark uh clear and focused direction and and it really worked and the other is is the non chronological storytelling which really unfolds the story in in a really effective way so that really worked for me uh most of all this movie knows exactly what it wants to be you know, I, I think a lot of Jason Statham movies can uh, try to I, th- I think Aaron alluded to this as well, have have dumb jokes, you know, cheesy one liners. There's a couple here, but this isn't trying to be an action comedy. This isn't trying to uh, kick off a franchise. This is a darkest hell revenge thriller. Right. And uh, yeah. and so it has a, a singular focus in that way. And so I I thought this really worked. Now, I want to be clear before Matt. Um, fires me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not here to say that this is groundbreaking or phenomenal or even that memorable. I, I do think this is at the end of the day kind of forgettable. It's more just that it, it really surpassed my expectations. That that's the biggest thing. Um, I had low expectations and I found myself entertained. Um, I thought I thought it was it was very good. Um, so it's not that I love this movie or anything like that, but I think it is solid. I think it's a solid film. So that's kind of where I landed. We're going to rename this The Wrath of Matt. That's what this uh, <laughs> That's what this is going to be called. You hated this movie. You cannot tell me that. Okay, so here's what I can say. I can say that you guys are saying that you went in with lowest to low expectations. I think my problem is I went in with high mm-hmm. expectations. Okay. I'll do it. Yep. And I have a lot of different things that I can reference for why this movie did not meet those expectations. Uh, But 
the main thing I want to first focus on here is we talked a lot about how uh, Guy Ritchie's direction of this movie is more reserved, more toned down, not as zany as it has been in other movies. I mean, we'll just use the gentleman as an example, right? I think like the height of Guy Ritchie's style comes in the form of uh, cross-cutting in the third act of the film where the plan, the heist, if you will, is being laid out for the audience by the characters in the past while we're watching it actually unfold in the present. And I think that's literally, like stylistically, probably the most that he does in the entire movie. Yeah. Yes. Other than the chapter headings, that's, yes, correct. Right. I would agree. Okay, fine. You, you brought the chapter headings. Um, so there's a couple of, like, I'm sorry, I have so many different things here. <laughs> um, the script to this movie is really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, the dialogue is really bad. Can we at least agree yeah. on that? Yes, I can agree I, on that. I, yeah, yeah, and I don't think it's great. I don't think it's bad. You killed our son, and still you have nothing to say. You are a cold, cold C-U-N-T. <laughs> that, there are moments, yeah, there are moments when it is bad. There are moments when there are scenes when he does kind of overdo the dramatic. There's a moment where we're talking with the new ro- the robbers, right? Boredom is worse than bullets. <laughs> Give me a the, fucking enemy the, I can see. Put, that, put your you asshole wrote it down. back in your yeah. asshole. That's the scene. <laughs> That's the one. So yes, there there are definitely some moments in there that I'm like, okay, we're we're really trying hard to be too macho at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I think overall it wasn't a killer for me. But yeah, I, I don't think I'll fight you on this one. I, I want to say, Matt, clarifier, you said script is bad. I, I, I would clarify that to say dialogue is, is poor. That's fair, because that's what I meant. Yeah, because I, I think the the story itself is pretty generic, but the way in which it unfolds is not, in my opinion. So I think it's wisely... Uh, uh, I'm not sure if I could even say scripted, but wisely outlined, I guess. So I agree with you that the story unfolds in a way that is gripping and actually did have me, you know, engrossed. Like I wasn't bored watching this movie. I was frustrated by certain things that this movie was doing. And the biggest hindrance for me in terms of the structure of the movie is actually the second act of the film titled Scorched Earth. It is a flashback, and I don't want to reveal too, too much of what's going on here, but this is the part in the screenplay where after the first act of the film, which I thought was really good in terms of the setup, you know, we're introduced to all the characters in the beginning, uh, H and Bullet, uh, even though he doesn't move like one, as he, you know, jokingly says, I, I, I you know, haha. All right, like, we're, we're getting some establishment here. We get the opening action scene. We realize that H is... A badass because he's played by Jason Statham. So, of course, as you do. And there's a bit of mystery around who is this guy and so on and so forth, right? But then when we get to the second act of this film, Scorched Earth, and we have this very, very long flashback, we start realizing, you know, his old team who, you know, previously recognized him in another uh, botched heist gone wrong earlier on in the movie. We, you know, see Andy Garcia. We get all these other characters who we don't even know who they are, but they all get set up in the second act. And I just got to a certain point where I thought the plot was starting to become a little bit too intricate for its own good after being very straightforward earlier. And I even started to question if I was even watching the same movie at a point because it felt like we had just pivoted away so much from the Jason Statham character. And all of this set up to get us into the third act 
like we eventually get there and we understand who the guys are that have driven him on this revenge mission that he's on it just takes us so damn long to get there in that second act and that from a structure standpoint is what held me back then from embracing the movie for that aspect Mm. i i disagree and here's why um i i definitely see what you're saying because we do like get pulled away from jason statham for quite a while but uh, what really worked about it for me is actually the the chapter headings themselves because at first i was like all right this is a little overkill you know but uh when i started to realize what was happening like oh no we're seeing the same story just from a different perspective um especially when they cut back to that heist you know um and we're seeing we're seeing the same heist from from different point of view that's when it started to click into me and, and i realized oh we're we're seeing di- we're, it's not just a flashback we're seeing different perspectives and so that that really worked for me and helped elevate the story i think yeah I, i'm with Daniel, 100% here. I, I can see what you're saying, though, Matt, and I can understand why that would potentially be a hindrance for some people watching the movie. I mean, I, I don't I don't feel like anybody would be wrong for feeling that way. The first act, to me, is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I think it's just gripping as anything, any heist film that I've seen, as far as a setup goes, and so it's, it is really hard to match that energy. Yeah, other than the James Bond uh, wannabe opening titles, I really, really that love the first act of this movie. Yeah, those titles no, no were doubt. hilarious. Those they were, yeah. <laughs> I mean, were they were they meant to be hilarious? I don't think so. For a movie this serious, like, I mean, that's not the only thing that I thought was a ripoff. Like, I even thought that the uh, the music in this, like the score, and guys, please tell me if I'm going crazy here. Did anyone else get Joker vibes from that score? I didn't, I didn't make the connection. I mean, yeah. I like I like the score. I think it was effective. Yeah, that that I did. I didn't feel that in the moment. I see what you're saying. It's just very serious, so dark. But that's see, that's <laughs> what worked for me. Is I think that this movie leans so far into being a dark revenge thriller, not trying to be something else. That it was like, no, we're doing one thing here, one thing, and we're doing it really well. But then why do you have Rob Delaney as the owner of Fortico, who's cracking jokes like he is in a Guy Ritchie film, a typical uh, Guy well, Ritchie film? I mean. He, I don't. I didn't feel like he was cracking too many jokes. Well, I think it was more so his line delivery. Like he was being very over the top compared to everyone else. Well, I think yeah. he served a purpose. I think yeah, he's he's showing you the attitude of the company, right? The, mm-hmm. That's a very realistic to me kind of thing, and it's it's. Sh- I mean, that's the commentary part that I think where maybe the film doesn't handle it as well. But he's he's supposed to be showing you that. They don't care about the employee. They care about the money that the employee can make. It doesn't matter if this guy just, you know, was in a gunfight for them or whatever the case may have been. He did something to make them more money, and he doesn't care about his mental health. He doesn't care mm-hmm. about his well-being. He just go out there and make me more money. But but that's something I want to ask, too, because I, I actually – when the movie was over, and I, I, I wrote this down because I just felt like it had gotten to that point where I was like, I got to write this down – is the cash trucking business so important that a whole movie had to be made about it? And if you want to argue to me, no, Matt, this is Guy Ritchie just doing an action film and he has nothing to say with it. I'm going to say bullshit because it's not a fun action movie. It's serious. So clearly he wants us to take something away from this. Well, it is based on a previous film. Yes, I saw that. It was like a French movie, right? It's a French movie called Les Convoyeurs, which is literally Cash Truck, I think, in mm-hmm. 2004. So it is not, he's not coming up with the idea completely fresh. I think where the commentary tends to come in is 
in the social the way that the the bank robbers their history mm-hmm. and why they're doing what they're doing how they how they come into the situation that they end up finding themselves into um and i found that kind of that's an overdone trope in my yeah, opinion yeah i agree mm-hmm. you know and, and i didn't care for the necessarily the execution of that as their reasoning i liked the way in which they went about their business and i liked the scenes and watching it play out, but I didn't care about the social commentary one bit. And But I think he wanted us to, for sure. Hey, hey there. there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo. And co-hosts of Sleepover, Sleepover Cinema. Cinema. Our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. And then when it comes to like the emotional connection to the film, right, which is here's this character, H, who is trying to get to the bottom of who killed his son. Maybe this is also an expectation thing again. I was genuinely hoping that with the kind of setup that we had received, that we were going to see Jason Statham go to places that he hasn't gone to before. And instead, yes, there were no cheesy one-liners necessarily, but I still feel like I got the same one-note action badass performance from Jason Statham I've seen in yes. a bunch of other movies that he's done I before. 100% agree with you, 100%. I'm, I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to immediately contradict myself. Um, okay. So I think um, I, I really, I was thinking the exact same thing as I was watching it, Matt. I was like, this material is I, I, I don't want to insult Jason Statham. I don't want him to come and kill me, but this I was like, this material is better <laughs> than Jason Statham. You know what I mean? I was like, I would have loved to see yeah. this uh, some some other actor, like a dramatic actor, doing this dark revenge thriller thing. Could have been really cool. Could have gotten a really good performance out of somebody um, that I just don't think Jason Statham has in him. Uh, now, where I'm going to contradict myself is, I think casting Jason Statham helped benefit my viewing experience because it's because of Jason Statham that I went in with such low expectations that if they had cast some, you know, Oscar caliber <laughs> actor in it or something, I would have been, I would have had higher expectations that maybe the film wouldn't have met. So I, I so I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know, uh, but I agree with you. His, his performance was, it was a Jason Statham performance. You know what I mean? So you're saying it needs more Gerard Butler is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I probably, no, I mean, it's not a bad comparison. <laughs> I, I think, 
I agree generally with what you're saying because I mean, well, I don't I liked his performance. I thought he was good in that he didn't do the one-liners all the time. Um, and it was a fairly more <laughs> for better and worse, it was one note, but I like the note he was following. It, he doesn't actually do Jason Statham very often in this movie. Like there's nothing in this that screams it had to be Jason Statham. You know what I mean from an action standpoint? Mm-hmm. Typically when you see a Jason Statham movie, there's more to the choreography and the fighting that you would say, oh, I see why you got Jason Statham. But it really does not involve that in this movie, I don't think. I think it could have been pretty much anybody. And part of it, I wonder if the darkness, and it, it is, it's such a menacing tone throughout. Like, he's not a good guy. That's part of the thing, is that he, when we get to his backstory, this is not a matter of, like, some revenge plot where we're fully on board with the innocent person who got their child killed. You know what I mean? The reason he is who he is and that he's able to do what he ends up doing is not good. (laughs) And it just shows you the dark underbelly of all of these things. Even the way that the Andy Garcia's cameo cup of coffee that he, you know, the characters that he plays and how his relation to Jason Statham's character is in the film there's so much seediness to everything going on here that there there is no real innocent person other than maybe Josh Hartnett, who, I, by the way, I think is really great. It's nice to see him back. I thought he was a lot of fun. He doesn't have a huge part. I was going to say, actually, it's kind of incredible, right, that Josh Hartnett has like third tier, second tier billing in this. Yeah, maybe lower. I, I was shocked to see him. Like, I yeah, didn't know he was man. in it. I feel like at a different point in time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he auditioned for the lead role, actually. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have. But he, so I liked him. I mean, I like most of the cast. I thought Scott Eastwood was fantastic as his sleazy, gross, just disgusting uh, person that he was. But yeah, I don't know. I For me, I just think that Statham is effective in the it's not even really fully an anti-hero type of role. Yeah, I, I, I just like nobody in this movie stood out to me performance wise. And ah, God, I wish I could give more uh, to the actors. Like, I wish I could give more credit, but it just like I, I like nobody worked for me in that regard. The only thing that I was hoping that would save me at a certain point was the action. But you mentioned before, Aaron, that. The action is not really like this stylized, choreographed action. It's more guns shoot 'em up, and not in the fun Clive Owen shoot 'em up style. It's just very uh, serious. It's very uh, bare bones, and I think there's one. Yeah, there's probably like one elaborate fight scene with Jason Statham and another character involving a knife at one point. But other than that, I mean, it's just typical, you know, shoot 'em up, and. I kind of found that to be boring, if I'm being completely honest with you. The the thing that's funny about this us on this review right now is like uh, because, Matt, you're you're not loving the movie. I'm in this position of like defending it, but I don't want it to come across that I love this movie by any means. Like I I, there's really not a lot for me to defend here. I, I enjoyed the experience um and but i i at the end of the day which which makes sense yeah like it, it's really just the experience of it but honestly in about three or four weeks i'm gonna kind of have a hard time remembering this movie like yeah like the final action scene goes on forever yeah, and i just watched it this morning 
And I can only tell you one thing about the final action scene that I actually remember, and that is that they were wearing protective armor so they could not be uh, shot by bullets. Like, that's the only thing that, like, I remember about it. I don't remember anything else. Yeah, the, the, yeah. My, my main takeaway from this is not uh, that I love this movie or anything like that. It's, it's really just that I want to see more from Guy Ritchie uh, in this style with this with this style of direction oh no 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 I see I'm like give me more of what he gave us in the gentleman and snatch and things like that is you know? this the embarrassing moment where I tell you I still never watched the gentleman oops oh wow really yeah, it's good it's good it's I, I, I it's kept good. hearing that the I gentleman just, is a lot I of fun got to it so I, I actually can't compare it to that but I mean I, I definitely I love snatch you know um, I actually embarrassingly uh, I, I actually really enjoyed Aladdin um, so uh, you know I, I like Guy Ritchie but I, I just felt like this was more confident more focused um, and it really was to the to the benefit of the of the screenplay I will give you in regards to the way that he directs here it is definitely more focused, but the problem I have in regards to that then is that Guy Ritchie, I feel like, has such an established style from his earlier films that he continues to every now and then revisit either full on with something like The Gentleman or it's in spurts in his bigger movies like Sherlock or heck, even Aladdin. Uh, definitely King Arthur, but that was terrible all around. Um, but here... I feel like he loses his voice and his identity that I watched this movie and I feel like any director could have made this if I'm being completely honest with you. You're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's almost like what Paul Greengrass did with News of the World where we watched that and we were like, this doesn't feel like a Paul Greengrass film. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's us putting expectations on it based on history of a director, though, more than anything. Because for me, the structure is talent showing up, whether it's a structure that Guy Ritchie has ever done before or not. The way in which this movie reveals itself and the difference in perspectives, like Daniel said earlier, that was kind of the one thing I really love. Seeing the same scene from three different angles that slowly reveal pieces of that scene and the whole was – I love that. Like That's fascinating to me to see it all kind of work together and to have that puzzle come together in the end. And that also is partially why I think you didn't react to the action. The action in the final scene is – it's, it falls flat for quite a few people. I mean, I didn't love it either, the action part of it. I loved the cross-cutting of the heist as it was happening. Yeah. The problem for me was that the heist wasn't that interesting. Like, they're just, they pull into a, mm -hmm. you know, warehouse, and it's, there's the money. We're on this side of the wall, you're on that side of the wall, and then we fight. You know, yeah. there's not, like, a, an intricate Den of Thieves type style. Usually when you get to the big heist, the act of create of doing the heist is what is interesting but this movie is all about just the fact of how the puzzle pieces get you to the heist so it's a it's different in that way and then when the the actual heist and the action during the heist neither of those are that memorable i will completely agree with you my feelings on the movie and why i love it so much are simply because i feel like it's very much a rewatchable for me uh it's not top top tier heist because it doesn't have the memorable height um way of that taking place but it's a movie that i just feel is so propulsive from start to finish that i would enjoy re-watching it you know anytime i see it on it's that kind of film for me it hits that sweet spot i almost just feel like there's like a curve right now or you know there's there's a check in the mail and it hasn't landed yet or something i i'm like i i'm just like i'm a little taken aback by how forgiving you are right now but hey listen <laughs> 
I, I, I love having that different perspective. I think that is just made for a much more interesting review here, which I really appreciate as well. So credit to you in that regard. Credit to you. Final thoughts on the film. Uh, we're at that point now where if there's something you want to mention that we haven't brought up yet or you want to reiterate, the floor is yours, Aaron. Uh, you know, I, I think I've said most everything I could say. I, I just really do want to, I guess, want to shout out the cast because I know you did, you said you weren't really a fan and nobody stuck out to you, but I thought that there are so many characters in this movie, so and there and nobody has spotlight really other than Statham, and I thought that they all fit. They all worked really, really well for the bits and the pieces of the story that they needed to fulfill if anybody i thought holt i think he did a great job he was a really engaging and kind of charismatic character and played well with jason statham's seriousness um i thought that those two were were really interesting when they were on screen together and it's a good thing that he's around for so much of the movie because he gives us another character to latch on to um for a long period of time and so I, i liked him a lot but yeah Final thoughts are just that I think that if you love serious heist films, Den of Thieves is really the one I, I would go back to because I think that it's very similar to that style, not necessarily of the structure and the way it's told, but just that darkness and that, you know, we are bad people going to do bad things. And you're going to see some cool gunfights here and there. Not perfect. You're going to see a heist. And if you enjoy that kind of stuff, I think you're going to have a really good time with this film. There was another Jason Statham uh, heist film that was more British. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was called now off the top of my head. The Italian Job? Wasn't he in The Italian? No, no, no. The Bank Job. The Bank Job. That was the name of it. Ah, yeah. Yeah. See, now, that's my my Jason Statham heist film. I like that one uh, a lot more than this, I'll, I'll just say. All right. Howitt, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've covered it quite a bit. Uh, I think the the main reason for my positive review, um, we'll give our scores here in a second, but my, my main reason for it is honestly low expectations. Like, I think if you if you like Guy Ritchie but weren't really you know excited for this or you just want a dark action movie to check out, um, going with low expectations, this isn't going to blow your mind. In my opinion, this isn't gonna, you know, this isn't going to be on your top 10 list of the year or anything like that. But, uh, I think, I think you might enjoy it. I think it's a good one to put on, put on, um, to just watch a, a kind of mindless action movie. Now, I, like I said, I've already said it, you know, maybe, maybe once or twice. Um, I'm this, this isn't very memorable. I'm, I'm going to forget about this movie, but I'm glad that I saw it and I'm glad that, uh, it exists. Cause I, I, I really, uh, was just taken aback by how much I actually did enjoy it. Okay. All right. And for me, final thoughts here. Um, I do like this one edit where um, there is an elaborate heist that's going on with uh, gas. And then there's a cut and it just cuts to Eddie uh, Mars and saying, let me get this straight. They just walked away. <laughs> and that, that produced like such a great um, laugh from me. Maybe like the only time I laughed in the movie. And I thought that that was actually really clever in terms of the storytelling. Cause we don't see uh, right away what happens with that uh, high scene. And so I, I, I got to admit like the first act of this movie in terms of the setup, uh, introducing us to uh, the cash truck company and really just introducing us to the Jason Statham character and so on and so forth. I was pretty hooked into this movie at that point 
once we got into the second act, as I mentioned earlier, that's where the film started to lose me just a little bit in terms of everything. Pacing, characters, because at that point, they're introducing so many characters, and they all talk in this childish, tough guy speak of dialogue that is just so, come on, people, we can do better than this. We could do so much better than this when it comes to dialogue. Um, but then the third act, I was like, okay, wow me with a good action scene and a great ending, and you've got me again. And I just kind of shrugged when it was all over. Even like the ending to the film um, and how it ties into the third act's uh, title. You know, I, I, I still also was just kind of like I wasn't wowed by it. There, There's even a reveal of an inside man, and that wasn't even a big surprise. Oh, yeah. I saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Come on. So, but with all that said, I was never bored while watching it, and I do think that there is an audience out there for this, and I wouldn't say that it is embarrassingly bad. So I will... Uh, I will say this. If I went in with the proper expectations, uh, you'd see me at a 4 out of 10 on this one. Mm. Which is where I'll be very fair and generous and where I will land. Wow. How, what about you? You know, I, I landed a, at a soft 7. Uh, I, I think this is a perfectly respectable movie. I, I, I didn't dislike too much about it. I was very entertained. Um, I thought it was an enjoyable viewing experience. So uh, I'll give it kind of uh, my... My my baseline kind of an average uh, an average of seven. Aaron, well, I'm a four too, but I'm a four out of five, not a four out of ten. <laughs> no. uh, you know, since if so, you're can, basically an eight out of ten on our scale, basically. I, yeah, I'm I'm a four out of five on mine. I would say if I'm on your scale and doing halves, I'd probably lower that to more like a seven and a half out of ten. But we don't do halves though, so oh. is it an eight or is it a seven? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm an, I would go with seven. I think I, I, okay. I think I would lean toward a seven as well, just because I think it is missing what Daniel has said several times. And it, it, it's missing the wow, memorable mm-hmm. moment of the film. That one set piece that we're all like, oh, man, even if the rest of the movie was crap. That one set piece was great. And, and you the, know, and the one that is really, really great where Statham shoots a bunch of people is in the trailer, unfortunately, of course. So. Mm-hmm. You've already seen that, likely, if you watch in any kind of trailer. So, yeah, I'll go with a seven for this and say for now. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We totally neglected to talk about Post Malone being in this movie. (laughs) I mean, that. yeah. I mean, how did you not enjoy? (laughs) I thought that was so fun. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. There's so many people in this movie. It's almost ridiculous how many people are here. I mean, you also have. um, uh, Oh, what's her name from? um, Calm with horses. Uh, Niema Algar, I think her name is. She's like the only female character in this movie. The blonde. Yeah, the, she's in. Yeah. She's part of the crew, or the not the crew, but she's she works for the company, the truck company. Yeah, they also didn't do a good job with her character either. But you know, yeah, whatever. Screenplay is not the uh, screenplay is not the thing here. I suppose I don't know. Uh, but in any event, though. As far as any Oscar potential is concerned, I'm going with a big fat zero on this one. Uh, No sound, no editing. I mean, I'm sure somebody here. Watch, watch. There'll be some pretentious like film critics group that will give this an editing nomination or or win at some point. Yeah, no, no way. No, I I mean, I like all of the. I like the things about it, but there's no way those are going to hold. Yeah, this this is not an award. The end of the year. No, 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 no way. God, no. 
All right. Well, Aaron, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today to talk with us about this movie. Tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet. Uh, yeah, you can find me everywhere at Feelin' Film, at Feelin' Film on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is called Feelin' Film. That's Feelin' with an apostrophe and then F-I-L-M, of course, uh, on everything that you can imagine, every podcatcher that is out there. So we pretty much just approach film more from the emotional perspective, which probably now that you're hearing this lines up with what I just expressed about this film <laughs> and how I take them. So uh, a little less on the technical side, more on the emotional reaction. We do normal spoiler-free reviews throughout the week, and then we try to break down something in, in depth where you really have needed to see the film because we're going to go into themes and uh, things like that. So that's what we do. I've listened to your show for years. If anyone here has not listened to it, I highly recommend it. Yes. Um, you usually have a rotating group of people, which is a lot of fun. You have some co-hosts for a time. And at the end of the day, Aaron, you've been the constant there. So if anyone's like listening to Aaron here today, I highly urge you to check out his podcast. All right. And Daniel Howitt. Yeah, I love Aaron's podcast. Definitely check it out. You can find me on Twitter at HowittDK. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Wrath of Matt uh, Man here <laughs> on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, leave us a comment, let us know what you think of the show. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable, FYI. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Right, uh, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> I know, right.